mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 47. I'm your host, John Peck, and I hope you've had some time off like I have this week. It's great to just relax and take time to catch up on some podcasts, actually, and play a few video games, catch up with family. It's just a good time all around. I'm pretty pumped for my episode 50 mailbag that's coming up soon. Don't forget you can leave your questions at hashtag 50PIW, and I'll track those down and answer them on that episode. And while we're talking about your questions, I've got some of your comments here in the iTunes review of the week, which goes to Johnny Dreamer from Canada, who says, Jono is a great host who asks some great questions. He brings on interesting guests. Whether or not you've heard of these people, their stories are always interesting. Check this out. Don't hesitate. And I won't hesitate to say thank you, Johnny Dreamer. Every one of those reviews helps. So this week's guest, Wellbot, aka Garth Ronco, is someone that I came across on Twitter. He's part of the Kotaku community, and he's a former game developer, now working in 3D printing. Believe it or not, he's started his own business, trying to get in on the ground floor, I suppose, of a pretty interesting industry, and definitely one that I can see growing from the little exposure that I've had to 3D printing, especially with its use in art. But As a bit of a background, Garth has worked as an art director for Urban Squall. He's been a 3D artist with Chrome Studios up in Brisbane, and he's done a fair bit of 3D animation both in his work as a freelancer, but also in television, which we'll get into a bit later. So working now in 3D printing is kind of a really great way for Garth to combine his creative skills with some of the professional IT background he's got in recent years. Here is Garth, aka Wellbot. Enjoy the show. Thank you for joining me, Garth. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's get into who you are. Let's start with your name. You're, you're Wellbot, right? That's your identity online, at least. Yeah, I've been using that for about 20 years now. And what would you be most well-known for, do you think, over that time? I'd have to say primarily just my activity within the Polycount community. Um, that's certainly where my Wellbot identity kind of became most known. It was a name that I created from playing Quake 2. Cause I, used to get ac- <laughs> I used to get accused of using aimbots all the time because I'd rail people in midair. I've been using that uh, within the Polycount community ever since. And yeah, at the moment, like I still um, moderate the Polycount IRC channel. Uh, not as active on the website as uh, I used to be, but uh, keep up with the times and try and educate myself constantly on the new things that are happening in the world of 3D and video games. Yeah, and that's probably how you've ended up on this show. Uh, (laughs) Tell me a bit about the work you've done in 3D modeling and how you got into it. Uh, Well, I initially got into it um, just through chatting to a friend of mine, a guy that I went to school with. He actually got accepted into like this kind of trial course that a private college was putting on on how to make video games uh, and he told me about what he was doing and I'd always wanted to make video games since I got my Atari 2600 as a 10 year old um, so I sort of found out a bit more about it and it was kind of around the same time that I discovered Polycount yeah basically submitted profile of some sort of work that I'd just done as a hobbyist and um, they liked what I did and accepted me into the course and then I found out I couldn't afford it so I went and got 
company to sponsor me to actually do it. So I was making websites for them when I wasn't at college, and they basically paid for me to go to college, and then I went from there to actually making video games for Chrome in Brisbane. What did that involve? What games were they? Tell us all about that. Primarily, I worked on a game which at the time was called Championship Surfer 2. Um, it was for PlayStation 2. And after I left, it actually ended up becoming something like Sunny Garcia Pro Surfing or something, which I believe is still out there. Um, so you can probably see some of my work <laughs> embedded in that game. After, after I worked on that, I uh, ended up working for an animation company um, doing a TV show, doing a little bit of modeling and a lot of animation and lip sync for a children's show that was on Channel 9 called The Shapies. And, um, yeah, basically helped them rush a whole bunch of episodes out the door. <laughs> and um, that, was, that was one hell of a learning journey, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So was that involved with uh, working with a creative director or a bunch of artists, or did you have what was your level of creative freedom on those kinds of projects? In terms, like they they sort of had the storyboards and a lot of the main modelling done. So most of what I did was just a little sort of bit of touch-ups here and there in the modelling space and. For the lip syncing, obviously they've got the sound pre-recorded, so you don't have a lot of freedom there. Just got to make sure it matches up. But then, with the actual sort of character movements and stuff, you've got a bit of artistic freedom, so you can add your own sense of flair. Given that this was the first time I'd ever worked on a TV show or anything, I didn't want to go too overboard. So you know, I kind of felt somewhat restrained. But um, we didn't sort of have anyone overbearing standing over our shoulder going, oh, no, you know, he needs to move his arm this way or anything like that. So it was basically me and I think three or four other artists just sitting in a room talking about the episode and sort of working on different scenes and stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, basically we were free to just work as we liked within a sense as long as we got the sequences done in time for uh, rendering. So it must have been pretty cool to be studying at one point and then pretty quickly you had your work in video games and on the TV. Like That must have been great. Yeah, I was pretty stoked at that because um, when I was at college at the end of the year they had um, like an industry night. A bunch of people from various companies came and sort of checked out our work and stuff and um, one of them particularly liked mine and within, I think... A week or two, I'd had an interview set up, and next thing I know, I was graduated and working there. Mm. So it was a pretty, pretty quick transition, and probably the smoothest thing that's ever happened to me in that sense. And was, yeah, was that and, all in Brisbane? You didn't have to move for it. Yeah, yeah, and that was probably the most surprising yeah. thing because uh, at the time there were several companies in Brisbane, but. Most of the major ones were based on the Gold Coast, like EA and the major ones in Brisbane at the time were Oran and Chrome, THQ, built a headquarters here a little while later, but that was kind of after I'd moved on. Sure. So is there not a lot of opportunities for 
people working in 3D models in terms of just how many jobs, permanent jobs there are? It's a lot of freelance work or have you found that that's changed since you first left college? It, it certainly changed within probably in the last 10, maybe even 15 years, pretty much everybody's gone. I think the only major game studio that's still left in Brisbane is Half Brick now. So there is not a huge amount of opportunity for work in that space anymore. So, yeah, generally a lot of sort of freelance stuff. Um, if you can get remote work, you know, that would be fantastic. But having said that, there are opportunities as well if you know similar programs like CAD programs and stuff, you could sort of move into an architecture space or something like that. Um, so there, there are opportunities around, but certainly not like they used to be, and um, certainly not like you know, you'd find in America or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. So what have you been doing to keep busy since that TV show for work? Um, after I did the TV show, I think I ended up freelancing for a little while, um, which I still do, but then I needed something more stable, so I moved into IT and I probably been working in IT for about 20 years on and off, um, probably 15 of that as full-time as I could hmm. um, in various forms. So very, very technology-centered kind of past 20 years of my life. So is that because there hasn't been that steady flow of work available for 3D modeling? Yeah, exactly. Because, um, yeah, basically after all the companies shut down and stuff, I didn't have the money to move myself mm. overseas. Um, so kind of had to find an alternative and computers was something that I'd done since I was about 12 years old, I mm. guess. And um, kind of just went with the flow. Yeah. So uh, I guess that need to continue to develop your skill set is what's led you into 3D printing lately. Can you talk a bit about that and the artistry that's involved if there's a crossover between creative and, I guess, technical? Yeah, well, um, after I got sick and kind of left my previous job, um, I was thinking about how to support myself. I couldn't really work on my IT business because more the inability to travel. So I wanted to try something that I could really do from home. Um, and I've been watching videos on various 3D printers and one of the guys who taught me um, at college about 3D, he was recently got 3D printers and stuff, um, kind of got me excited about it. And uh, then opportunity arose where I had enough money to get one, figured I'd give it a whirl. And yeah, I probably maybe close to three months um, that I've been playing around with my printer, which is what they call a DLP printer. Um, it's a bit different to most standard home users in that it uses a resin, like a liquid resin, to print. And rather than extruding plastic through a little downward-facing nozzle, it actually uses a projector above to create the models on the resin with light. Yeah, I've been experimenting with that, and it's there's a lot of room for artistry and also technical side of things because some people want 
things like toys or figurines printed. Some people want those kind of things made and printed because they don't have the skills to make them themselves. Um, and then there's also, you know, the technical kind of prototyping applications. So someone sort of comes up with an idea rather than spending thousands of dollars getting someone to machine all the parts and put it together to make sure it works. They can get it quickly printed in you know, something like resin, um, put it together, make sure it all works, proof of concept kind of thing, mm. and then move into full production. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, a good balance, I think, between technical and art in that sort of sense, which fits very well with me given the extents of my background. Yeah, right up your alley. So what kind of products have people been coming to you with and what have you enjoyed making yourself? Uh, well, so far in the conversations that I've had with people um, and the few things that I have got so far, it's um, stuff like parts for costumes, for cosplay, things like that. Um, little replacement parts for various things like uh, remote control cars, things that, you know, they could mass produce, but they don't really have either the market or the money at the time for it. So, you know, sometimes they'll come and say, can you do 10 of these for me? A bit of that sort of stuff. But um, also the the guy who makes the printer that I purchased, um, he also often gets approached um, and asked if he can print things for people. He's obviously concentrating on making the printers, so he's kind of throwing me a bit of work as well. And in return, I help him out with kind of configuring the software, figuring out what settings work well for the printer and putting it out there to the community for other customers to sort of get an idea about. So sort of beta testing the software because I've got a bit of software development background as well. Um, and yeah, it's been, a, been an interesting and productive relationship, which has been rather promising. <laughs> So something I never expected to find was that this dream printer of mine was actually being manufactured in Brisbane. <laughs> Meant to be. Yeah, yeah, seems that way. Do you think that uh, this is like your effort to get into this is an attempt to be forward thinking for an industry that could take off fairly quickly or like how do you view that side of it? In a sense, it's kind of already taken off because three printings it's actually been around since like the 70s or something but in the past maybe five or so years uh, 3d printers have become a lot cheaper because patents have expired there's a lot of people printing their own stuff at home but they're using slightly different methods to what i'm using mm. the the dlp and sla which is kind of the same sort of thing but laser based while they're older technologies, they're still kind of new because the patents have only expired sort of a little bit more recently than the other 3D printing types. Um, and there's not a huge sort of community around them yet because most of the printers are still a bit too expensive. Um, mm. There are a few little desktop ones that people can get, but they've only got very, very small 
build volumes, whereas the type that I've got has quite a large build volume. Um, and that was something I really wanted to make sure that I went with when I got one because I didn't want to limit myself to making little tiny things. I wanted to be able to go out and say, well, you know, if you want this done in a large size, you can do that. And um, after I'd spoken to the guy who made the printers, I actually found out on the first one in Brisbane to actually have one of these printers, which sort of instantly just opens up an entire market for me in a sense because um, yeah. you know if nobody else is doing this kind of work well you know it's up basically up to me to lead the way so i'm hoping that i can kind of make a name for myself in that sense and um you know then educate people by sort of showing how i do things via youtube and so forth and um, yeah. you know then yeah spread the word <laughs> that's cool it seems like uh the barrier to entry with the cost and I guess the technical know-how could make 3D printing as a service uh, an industry that could be you could be on the edge of is that something that you see um yeah certainly like I know that there's companies out there like Shapeways and um, stuff like that based overseas where you can send them a model and you can say I want you to print this, I want you to use this type of material, so forth mm. and so on. But they are, in my opinion, rather ridiculously expensive for what they actually right. provide. You know, for me, I can print a model for someone at a reasonable price in a really reasonable time because um, one of the sort of features of the printer that I use is that it actually has a very quick build time. You know, I can make a model in three hours whereas other printers would take 18 20 hours to do the same thing so i'm trying to sort of i guess market it as potential for same same day service so you know if somebody wants something but doesn't want to spend the thousands of dollars to buy the printer for their own environment they can come to me and say well I've got this idea, print it off for me, and um, yeah. It's cool. It's like uh, with your creative background, there's also probably a lot of room for 3D art to come into it if you wanted to go down that route. I know that a lot of 3D printers have a precision that you can't get through other mediums of designing things, so that could be something cool too. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Um, like just recently, because I've got this large print volume for my printer. Uh, it actually has a vat that the resin sits in. The one I'm using currently holds about five or six litres or something. Um, and I've also got a larger one which holds about 13 litres. But if you leave it for a while, you've got to mix the resin. So, because otherwise the sort of particles and things sink to the bottom. So you've got to mix it up make sure the components are consistent throughout it i've just been mixing with a knife basically <laughs> after having watched other people sort of do practical printing videos on youtube and so forth they figured i'd try and print my own kind of hand cranked egg beater to mix my resin um, so i'm in the process of um, actually creating the model to do that at the moment so it's got that you know artistic 
flair side of things, but it also, mm. again, has the technical aspect because, you know, I can make it look how I want, but it's still going to be functional. So, um, yeah, it's been quite an adventure. That's cool. What would you say has been, like, the greatest challenge getting into 3D, mod- uh, 3D printing, I should say, as a business and even just being self-employed and working on the cusp of an industry that you're hoping it really takes off? In terms of running my own business, I can speak from experience from my IT side of things. Um, it is hard starting out, especially when you don't really have a name for yourself in that space. Mm. Advertising is definitely one thing that you really need to concentrate on when you're first trying to get your name out there. In the past, I've kind of been fortunate in that I've also had a few leads brought over from other areas, so I've had a little bits of work to go on, and I guess... With the 3D printing, it's kind of happened as well with the link with like the work that I'm getting from the guy who makes the printers and such. But in terms of building something that, you know, could potentially be the beginning of a whole new industry for Brisbane, I've got no idea. I've never done anything like this before. It was rather a daunting thing to begin with. Like when I first started thinking about it, I was just like, I'm just going to buy one of these things for fun and you know print my own stuff just for the hell of it and then when i found this particular printer i looked at the size of it and i sort of started to think well hmm, maybe i could make a business out of this but i had no idea what i was getting myself into and certainly in terms of the resin printer because not many people have them there's not a lot of info around about them so for the past three months at the same time i've been trying to make the business for myself i've been Mm. having to teach myself how to use the printer effectively so it's been a a, quite a mixed journey um over the past few months and um now that i've kind of got a bit more comfortable with things i can begin to concentrate more on the actual business side and sort of start doing advertising for the new year uh that's something that i certainly intend to concentrate on a bit more what would be your advice to people that want to do what you've just talked about and get started in 3D printing, whether it's just for themselves or if they want to see what opportunities there are from a business perspective. If, if they just want to try it for themselves, first thing I would suggest is probably jump on YouTube, look up 3D printing. There are plenty of people out there who have reviewed various printers. Lots what's, of... your, what's your channel? You can give that a plug there. <laughs> I'd give my channel, but I don't actually have a custom URL at the moment because I don't... <laughs> well, they can search for your name, can't they? Uh, yeah, if they search for... I might be tagged as Worldbot 3D Prints. They might be go. able to find it. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's other lots of other um, sort of well-established people out there like Makers Muse and 3D Printing Nerd in America. They often show off a lot of 3D printing, especially with the cheaper kind of FDM type of printers. Um, especially Makers Muse, he's from New South Wales, actually. He's been concentrating mostly on trying to encourage kids and people with creative ideas on how to get into 3D printing in an affordable sense. So, like, setting up an entire makerspace, including, like, 3D printer or a computer to do stuff on, the tools you'll need, all for, like, under 500 bucks. While I'd like to sort of continue that, I know that I can't with my kind of printer because it's out of people's price range in that kind of sense they can't compete like that but because there's not any kind of education around at that depth of 
the resin printing, I'm going to kind of try and build up that side of things and see, you know, put some information out there to try and encourage people to get into it, I guess, because over the past few years, I think there's been a bit of negativity around the whole resin printing because it is a chemical substance. It's not overly toxic. Like, you know, you're not going to die if you get some on you, but you do have to take precautions. Like if you, if you get it on your skin, you've got to wash right. it off rather quickly. Um, and again, it depends on the type of resin that you're using as well. Um, but there's yeah, been a sort of bit of negativity in that sense because they always sort of tend to talk about the toxicity of it, how messy it is, stuff like that. Whereas my experience, I haven't found it to be overly offensive smelling whether that's the brand of resin that I'm using or something else, I'm not sure at the moment. Um, but I can't say dispel those myths because they, they are, they are true in a sense. But I just want to let people know that I don't think it's as bad as what most people tend to say. Yeah. It's like a pros and cons thing with any material, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, hey, oil paints look great, but they take a long time to wash off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, like printing with resin is definitely messy, but as long as you take the right precautions, it's not anywhere near as bad as most people make it out to be. And yeah. given the results that you can achieve with it, I think if you can afford to do it, you're much better off. Because the the level of detail that you get from that kind of printing is just miles above what you get from your typical FDM printer. That's good, man. So the last question I've got for you is, if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Oh, oh, that's a tough one. (laughs) Strangely enough, I'd probably have to say exactly what i'm doing now or what i'm about to embark on yeah because it kind of is the best of both worlds from my background it encompasses that technical knowledge and the artistry and if i could combine those two and make you know a bajillion dollars off it (laughs) i'd be a very happy man (laughs) that's good well it's it's kind of uh a formula where you need to put in the work and you're obviously going to do a lot of that and then you need I guess the market to respond the way that you're hoping it will in terms of people seeing this as a really exciting way to create not only really niche products but art as well so hopefully it all works out for you yes thank you very much thank you for listening that was Garth Ronco aka Wellbot you can catch him on Twitter at The Real Wellbot check out some of his 3D printing and his video tutorials you can find your way there on facebook.com slash wellbot 3D prints I'm on Twitter at Jono himself if you want to support the show don't forget I've got merch up at designbyhumans.com slash shop slash putting in work and until next week keep putting in work